the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the wall. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about here. We can talk about how to create wealth. We can talk about how to manage wealth. Some of the things, the highlights out there today include it was calamity yesterday. Not so much today, yet. Doesn't mean that it won't get there. It's the beauty of Wall Street at times. Um, with that said, you know, taking a look at the overall story. Uh, some of the headlines, like lower U.S. jobless claims suggest solidly improving labor market. I think that's why you want to buy the dips of this market, especially in small caps and financials. I think you still want exposure over to Europe. Oil prices surge after Saudi Arabia had an airstrike in Yemen. That country has a problem. It has a lot of oil flow through pipes that sit in Yemen. Not necessarily drilled in Yemen, but sit in Yemen. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions that I get via email and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad, is lump sum investing, I just inherited $100,000. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question, if it's a chick, is like, you got all your teeth? Like, are you good looking? Like, <laughs> What's your number? What's your number? <laughs> I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum <laughs> investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it'll work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing? Well, most people are already dollar cost averaging through their paycheck, um, okay. their 401k. And dollar cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is, it has periods where it's trending lower over a year-long period so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so if there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a, you know, 12-month rating, trading range, then dollar cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar cost average is they let the motions get involved. 
So they'll start off and they'll say, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month. And they say, oh, no, the market's too high or I'm going to wait for a correction. And they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper and says, I'm going I'm to dollar cost average just cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be. Something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter. It will not matter. It's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing, and that's usually by a written plan that, that you follow that you don't, you know, you got to stay the course. Your written on. plan is a funny idea because most people remember things the, the way they want to remember them. They'll say things like, oh, I knew to buy Apple when they came out with the iPod, but did they buy Apple? Mm-hmm. A lot of day traders will be like, oh, I knew it was going to move from you know, 440 to 525 after they reported earnings, but did they do it? And I recommend people, you know, if, if put up or shut up, write it down and give it to your wife. Yeah. If you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife. Because, and then when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife. You could practice on paper is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors, the S&P 500 is relatively flat if you don't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble, and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time. And I think the the problem that investors that are coming in with cash or they've been sitting in cash, the problem they deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform during the three out of 10 years that are negative. So seven out of 10 years are positive, three out of 10 are negative. And asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. That's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in the 401k. With If you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't, you don't you, you lump sum it. You know, it's, it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we preach diversification of equity. Um, so lump summing, it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I, you know, I take over um, portfolios uh, sometimes large companies yeah. kind of rhyme with Disher, where you see over 100 different stocks. You be careful. That guy can kill you. <laughs> we see over 100 different stocks, and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking 100 different stocks? Yeah. We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions yeah. in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in 100 different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're, you're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's why, exactly why when I set up my company, we use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm, and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. I usually have to go in and fix portfolios because they have way too many positions. They're you know concentrated one t- sector of the market instead of being diversified, and we've got to fix it. So you know trading costs can become expensive if if you've got you know 100 positions or. If you've got over 13 mutual funds, you're typically way over-diversified. You've got too many positions. You can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job. That guy you mentioned, name rhymes with Disher. I once said on air that his sales force is kind of cheesy and smarmy, young guys who have you know cufflinks and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, they're kind of douchey. Like, they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me, and he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. I was afraid of him. No comment. (laughs) Now I'm scared. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Lower U.S. jobless claims suggest solidly improving labor market. That's ultimately a big plus. U.S. home prices are surging 13 times faster than wages. 
For most people, buying a home is no cheap venture. That's especially the case when the growth of U.S. home prices beating wages 13 to 1. Facebook's beefing up their mobile app, uh, Messenger app. Facebook unveiled plans to beef it up to allow users to book reservations, track online orders, and send custom videos, a push to make the app a tool for commerce. Social networking company also announced an embedded video player that will make it easier for users and publishers to host Facebook videos on their pages. It launched a tool to help businesses track mobile ads more effectively. Facebook also simplified how it uses how it users share content online and said it is joining with several publications, including BuzzFeed, to host reader comments on online articles. This is a deeper commitment by Facebook to develop and extend its suite of mobile apps, which include Instagram, WhatsApp, as well as Messenger. Uh, moving from just being a single service to a family of world-class apps should help the company share in different ways or should help people share in different ways. Its biggest shift in strategy to connect people in many, many years, getting away just from the standalone Facebook app. Um, launched as a standalone app in 2011, Messenger now has 600 million users. WhatsApp, which Facebook bought a year ago, has 700 million users. Some 1.4 billion people visit Facebook at least once a month. It is an impressive media powerhouse. This makes no sense to me. Top beer brands are trying to list calories on the side of the beer because people are more health conscious. Diageo, the world's biggest alcoholic beverage company, said it would begin offering per-serving calorie counts on products including Smirnoff Vodka and Guinness. Labels could hit stores in the U.S. within two months. Some beer companies already list nutritional information on their websites. SAB Miller has done so since 2008, but the new plans commit the companies to providing uniform breakdowns for all products across the European Union, including a calorie, fat, carbohydrate, and salt contents. Information? Do we really want that when we're drinking a beer? I guess we do. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. launch Beats, a streaming service. Apple's pressing ahead with a sweeping overhaul of digital music services like never before. They want to compete with Spotify. Apple's working with Beats engineers to come up with some sort of their own subscription streaming service. We had originally heard that it was going to be $8, $2 cheaper than the standard norm that subscriptions seem to be enjoying, 10 bucks a month for unlimited music. In a sign of how important Beats is reshaping Apple's digital music, the company has put a point man for overall in the iPhone's music app, Trent Reznor, uh, the Nine Inch Nails frontman who was creative officer for Beats. Most telling for Apple is what the new streaming service will have or not have is not a lower price point. So this is one time where Apple went to the music labels 
and said, we want a lower price point because we're Apple, damn it. And the music executive said, no. The, the Apple couldn't persuade him. So this is one of those rare times where Apple's failure to secure reflects a shift in the company's relationship with the music industry. Apple once enjoyed this just enormous negotiating power as the dominant force in digital music, an area that they helped pioneer roughly 10 years ago. It now has a lot of competitors, and the music industry, the labels, couldn't be happier. So Apple used to be a shaper rather than a responder. This is one of those few times that Apple's playing catch-up and not necessarily coming from a position of strength. Apple's turn towards streaming is a matter of necessity as listeners increasingly shift from music downloads to streaming. Downloads generated about $2.6 billion in revenue in 2014, down almost 9% from the year before. Streaming made $1.87 billion last year and overtook CD sales for the first time. As the biggest retailer of music, Apple remains a crucial marketing partner for the music industry. Yet the absence from streaming has let others get a head start. Spotify, which started in Sweden in 2008, came to the United States in 2011, has 15 million paying subscribers around the world, as well as 45 million more who listen for free with advertising. Apple's iTunes has more than 800 million accounts. So they're well positioned, but they haven't got the, how shall we say, cachet to be dominant yet. Apple's match Spotify, probably in price, maybe even lower, because they've got the money to do it. And again, Apple's more worried about selling hardware with big fat margins than software. Spotify, which started in Sweden, as we know, is a pretty big competitor. So according to Apple, an employee, the service is being tested as part of a new version of the company's new mobile software operating system. So it's probably going to be released this year uh, in an update. And it'll be typically annoying Apple, which if you update it last software for the iOS, they put basically an app which just an ad for the iWatch on your screen. So <clears throat> anyone who has an iPhone probably has a folder called crappy Apple apps. And that's where you put the things that you don't really want, like the compass, <laughs> like an iWatch commercial app. Um, you get the idea, I think. Um, crucial difference for Apple streaming service is that unlike Spotify, it will have no free tier. That has greatly pleased top executives, which have begun to complain openly that so much free music has given consumers too little reason to pay for it. So that's that. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I want to talk about was, um, I don't know if it was TV or radio, but I heard a commercial about, you know, hey, if you're 59, 60, and you've got a big 401k, give us a call. Be very careful when you retire, rolling over your 401k or your pension to anyone in the financial industry without knowing what's going on. Ideally, if you're in a 401k, you're probably in diversified mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. By rolling it over to an insurance salesperson, they may guarantee you income for life by putting you in an annuity. There's going to be a very expensive commission that you're going to forfeit, typically about 
there's going to be a very big management fee inside. Nothing's guaranteed for life, just so you know. That's crap. What's guaranteed is that you'll get your principal back through 4% drawdowns. That's not what you want to do. You want to keep your principal. You don't want to turn it into an insurance product. You want to keep your equity. You don't want to turn it into an insurance product. Um, part of your money, part of your money could be in a low-cost annuity. Part for an income strategy in retirement. But it's pretty scummy to run a commercial saying, hey, if you've got a large chunk of money, we're willing to take 9% from it and put you in an annuity. It's pretty scummy. Be very, very cautious with uh, what you pursue there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Lower jobless claims suggest a solid, improving labor market. That will give support to the stock market. Um, now, a couple things are going to happen later in this year. As the jobs numbers continue to improve, if there's any glimmer of inflation, the Fed will start to raise interest rates. It will feel really weird because when you've had such low-cost money, it's been one of the reasons that people have been able to refinance their mortgages. It's been one of the reasons that corporations have been able to buy back shares because they borrow. Companies like Apple are borrowing money basically at almost no cost and buying back shares and pushing their dividend. Um, you know, another industry that I, I really don't like is the payday lending industry. It's a $46 billion industry. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau just released a proposal for new payday lending regulations that would make it harder for businesses to take advantage of borrowers with the owner's fees and fine print that could quickly turn them into lifelong debtors. Good. Our government is finally doing stuff to protect people that need protection. Each year, payday lending lobbyists spend millions of dollars trying to prevent Congress from passing laws that would hurt their bottom line. Since 1998, the industry has increased their spending 19-fold to $40.5 million. Lending uh, is, should never be thought of as like 100% over three months. It's, it's egregious. I know some people use payday loans for illegal reasons, but a lot of people use payday loans because they're trying to get by. Um, now, they're also starting to run commercials for you know cashing out equity in your home same kind of scam, not scam, same kind of really, really bad loan that you don't want to get into. Uh, a lender's going to improve your application, they're going to give you 14 days to pay it back. The customer uses the loan but can't afford to pay it back in time. The lender often threatens to send his debt into collections or extend the loan for a fee plus interest. The customer takes out another loan. It's a never-ending bad scenario. I'm Rob Black, talking about things financial, money, investing, and more. Rob Black and your money, talking money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement. Let's bring in Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. Thanks for having me back. 
or maybe I should say, how are you, brother? <laughs> yeah, it's a Let's big talk week. A little wrestling. Yeah, it's a big week. Uh, WWE is holding uh, their big annual event, WrestleMania, out in, in the Bay Area this week. So I would expect to see Hulk Hogan, uh, Brock Lesnar, and The Undertaker, and a bunch of other WWE superstars you know, at local venues. So don't be shocked if you see a giant six foot eight, three hundred pound man walking past you getting a candy bar or a, a six pack. When I was 16 in an attempt to get a chick, I took her and her little brother to a WrestleMania event. This has been around for a long time. Yeah, this is a, a huge event for them. You know, it's not, and it's not just a big money maker for them. It's a huge boost to local economies. Last year they had really? it in New Orleans, and they generated you know, over $100 million in revenue for local businesses. And being that it's in Santa Clara and, and San Jose and Silicon Valley, I can only expect that that number is going to probably increase. I will be honest with you, that shocks me. But right now I'm taking a look at some of the, the data and, you know, the amount of charity work they do for children's hospitals and um, other events like anti-bullying. Um, this is a pretty big event, and it's, you know, people are coming from 50 states and 40 countries into the Bay Area this week. Yeah, it's, it's it's an enormous event. They have fans, you know, all over the world and all over the country that come to this event, and you know, these are diehard fans, and they'll stay and they'll spend tons of money. And you're right, it's not just about money. I mean, the company itself is very big in, in to charitable organizations. Uh, their big superstar, John Cena, is the most requested person from the Make a Wish Foundation. I think he's done something around 300 requests. Um, since since he's been asked for, and, and some of their other stars are incredibly popular with the Make a Wish Foundation as well, and they've been very active on this, you know, don't be a bully campaign, because you know, let's face it, you know, that's still a problem in schools today, and they feel like they have, you know, more than just a voice, you know, to say it on TV. They have to actually go out and do it, and there's no better way to, to get these entertainers and these superstars and excite kids to to you know, actually learn right from wrong. And you know, they're really, really a charitable organization, and they make sure that their employees are as well. It's interesting that you bring that up, because not only are they charitable, but they're also publicly traded under the ticker symbol WWE. Um, it's got a PE of next year's about 30 times. I remember something like maybe this time last year, they tried to launch an, a channel on the Internet so that people can watch wrestling content 24-7, 365. How has that gone for them? Do you know? Initially, it was a little bit of a rocky start. They had announced it at last year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in January, and their first numbers came out after WrestleMania last year. And a lot of people were looking for, you know, for about 700, 800, maybe even 900,000 numbers. Uh, subscribers, and they came in, I think it was about 660,000 or so, and the stock took a huge hit on that, and since then, they've reworked their television deal, they kind of hyped it up, saying, you know, they could get as much money as the NFL or NBA or other sports, because they're really the only uh, must-see television event every week, you know, for 52 weeks a year. And they kind of let shareholders down a little bit with that. But the network has slowly um, continued to gain traction. They just recently passed a million subscribers. And the stock 
you know, since the start of the year has been on a, a, an incredible tear, especially since they announced the, the million mark. I think it's, uh, shares are up something like 60% or so since the start of 2015. So they're sitting pretty right now. And, and we'll get the next update on uh, subscriber numbers for the WWE Network the day after WrestleMania. So you could say they're pile-driving the shorts? Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you could say that. Maybe even give them a little Stone Cold Stunner right now. There you go. Are you a wrestling fan at all? I was a big fan when I was a kid, um, and as yeah. I've started to cover the company, you know, since the launch of the network, I've spoken to a bunch of their executives. I've gotten back into the product. You know, it, it's it's fun. It, it makes you, you kind of relive your childhood. I know that when uh, Hulk Hogan came back to the company, I spoke to a couple sources inside the company, and they said that this was a bigger announcement for them than anything they've ever done which you know WWE's been around you know for it's been publicly traded for almost 20 years and it's been around for as you know probably 50 or 60 years um before even before it was WWE as we know it so this is that's saying something that one guy coming back to say to kids take your vitamins and say your prayers you know is the biggest event in their history that that really means something what you gonna do if Skydome, when the largest arms in the world and Hulkamania destroys you? So the WWE has surpassed the NBA as the number one sports channel on YouTube. Um, 4.2 billion video views in the last 12 months. I'm, I'm not going to say stunned by that, but that spanks the NBA, the N Major League Baseball, the NFL, ESPN, and NASCAR. That's impressive. Yeah, their fan base is rabid, and, you know, with the 4.2 billion views on YouTube, as well as the million-plus subscribers on the network, WWE is rapidly transforming their business model, which used to be based solely on, on the pay-per-views that they would hold each month, and then the ratings and advertising money that they would get from their weekly shows, as well as merchandise sales video games, toys, things of that nature. And now they're coming, you know, they're really kind of like a Netflix business model, um, except they own all of their content. They don't have to pay for any of it, which is a, something that shareholders have been, you know, really reciprocating towards. And, you know, that's why the stock's up 60 or 70% this year. So they are, you know, this Internet video behemoth, and I think a lot of people on Wall Street don't really realize just how big they actually are. With that said, let's move on to Facebook. They're having their big uh, developers conference this week. Uh, I guess it's a two-day event, so I'm not even saying this week. But uh, what, what has come out of that so far? A couple of really, really big things um, have come out of F8 so far. The biggest one, I think, probably is the fact that they've now turned Messenger, their chat app, into a platform. They have more than 600 million people who use it every month, and they've now allowed developers as well as online retailers to interact with customers and to build off of it. So this is going to be Facebook's next billion-dollar-plus business as opposed to just generating money from ads. You know, they're getting people like ESPN and Jiffy to throw content in there and people can add emojis and gifs and things that are you know that aren't already in uh facebook messenger and the really big part of this i think is the fact that they're now allowing online retailers um to interact with their customers so if you 
buy something, um, if you're a messenger customer or user and you buy something online, some of the initial, some of the partners can uh, can interact with you, let you know when uh, a shipment is coming or if there's a delay or things like that. This is a really big thing for Facebook to get into e-commerce, and given that it has 1.4 billion users around the world, there's a lot. There's a lot of potential here, and Wall Street's really happy about that. I saw something last night. I was reading some notes from the F8 Developers Conference on YouTube usage and how they're aggressively going after YouTube and how they're serving up pretty good competition pretty fast from like 1% of videos online last year to over 40%, almost 40% this year. That's some pretty rapid growth. It has to have Google shaking in their boots. It does. And this is a big, um, a big hit at Google and YouTube. Uh, they announced Facebook platform uh, yesterday, which is an embedded video player. And basically what that means is anybody who uploads a video to Facebook can then embed that video anywhere else on the web. Previously, you were only able to do that on YouTube, so by doing that, you can put Facebook video content all over the place. And again, going back to the fact that they have 1.4 billion people around the world, this is an enormous advertising opportunity for both Facebook as well as some of you know their their you know more active users and you know I suspect that just like YouTube they'll probably have their own Facebook quote unquote celebrities who make videos and things for the for the video player. So this is a, a huge opportunity because video advertising is growing even faster than online advertising. I think last year or in 2015 it's expected digital advertising is expected to grow around 30% year over year. And with YouTube getting about 20% of those dollars or, you know, like about a billion and a half in revenue, you know, Facebook has an enormous opportunity to not only steal YouTube revenue, but everyone else's revenue as well. Is there anything else that you want to bring up? Chris Siachi, a tech editor for the street.com. We've got about 45 seconds. I think just, you know, going back to, you know, there's a ho- there's a heck of a lot more coming from Facebook outside of just Messenger and the the video player. They started to really touch on what they're going to do with Oculus, and they kind of hinted at that they can have news feed in 3D almost, which I think is the next big wave of platforms. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia, tech editor of thestreet.com. Always a good interview. Lots of insight. If you didn't think of the WWE as a media company, you do now. I'm Rob Black.
Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. We always have events coming up. You can find out more at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. CFP Chad Burton's got a great site, newfocusfinancial.com. It's always getting better. He's recently added some more PDFs that you could download and start looking at. Ultimate goal of my show is to get you to save 10 to 20 times your income so you can retire. Um, you know, I, I want a little bit more than that. Like, less than that may put you in a position of massive cuts in your lifestyle, which is okay. You know, some people want to sit around and play Xbox when they're retired all day long. Good for you. Some headlines out there today. Um, the whole craft deal that came out yesterday with Heinz, this is going to be a big, big food player. Not as big as Pepsi, but it's all about cutting costs out of the Heinz business model. No, 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 the craft business model, and then getting Heinz, the international distribution that's much more needed, Heinz and um, craft sharing international distribution, which clearly this is a lot of cra- processed and packaged food. Frozen food that are on the decline in the United States. Um, healthy and organic is not tied into these brands. With that said, how many people ultimately go healthy and organic? Is it a larger percentage or is it a smaller percentage? It's not a lot of growth, so the deal's all about cost cutting. Ford expects triple exports from India. Ford Motor opened a new factory in western India, more than doubling its capacity in the country as it makes a billion-dollar bet that Indian exports can power its push to sell more affordable vehicles around the world. Um, hmm. Top beer brands are going to list calories soon. I find that intriguing. I don't know how I feel about it. Facebook is beefing up Messenger mobile app. Trying to get some finance push with it. Um, if the company is priced for perfection, I think it's got upside of about 10% over the next 52 weeks if they hit what they're supposed to hit. And if they continue to grow and say give projections the following year, it's got more upside. Um, so it's important to pay attention to some of the f- uh, services that they're starting up. They unveiled plans for beefing up their mobile app to make it more of a commerce push. So they've already got 40 apps that interact with Messenger. Now, Messenger's got 600 million users. It's not shabby. So advertisers like Zulily and Everlane can now work with Messenger. So you can shop online and buy items by sending a thumbs-up icon, a feature that could keep users in the app for longer periods of time. So I just sense that for the next few years, as we continue to consume media differently... They're in a very good place. Now, their easy numbers are almost out of the way. When they had no mobile, you got a big zero. And then when you start mobile and you start doing it right, they've increased video uh, views, total video views on the Internet. They've got about 35% of them now tied through Facebook. So that tells you YouTube had the crown and is starting to lose it. YouTube's still big, and there's room for two. But those video roles are real, real important. Um, because people are consuming media differently. We continue to hear that on a regular basis. Um, So having that video will obviously help 
Facebook do what they need to do going forward. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. The SP 500 slid before its 100-day, slid below its 100-day moving average after yesterday sliding below its 50-day moving average. Technically very weak. Uh, short-term, very weak. Crude oil tests $52 a barrel after Saudi-led airstrikes on rebel positions in Yemen. Yemen's going through a little bit of a political upheaval, to say the least. When the president of your country flees the country on a boat in panic, I think he was yelling something like, they're shooting, they're shooting. Um, the rebels were about to get him and take him down. Uh, your country is in political turmoil. The end strengthens... Uh, the interest strength signals in a, a risk aversion to the foreign exchange market. SanDisk uh, lowered their first quarter guidance. SanDisk makes flash memory, and it's used in computers, it's used in cell phones. For them to lower their revenue guidance for the first quarter, it's telling you that things are a little on the materially weak side. They're a big company. Um, so anyone in that chain of computers and phones, their numbers are coming down today. Expectations are coming down today. Strength today in materials and telco stocks, weakness in consumer discretionary, financials, industrials, and utilities. I've got a stock that I'm looking at right now that I'm eyeballing hard. And it's a financial stock. Uh, and it's all I'm technically allowed to say about it until I buy it. I'm not going to say anything else. Because um, that would be called front running. And we don't want that, do we? Um, some other business stories of note. Um, we're learning today that the co-pilot crashed the German Wings flight 9525 intentionally. And uh, there's a horrible picture of him sitting in front of a Golden Gate Bridge. Like, we don't need that kind of image, do we? He was described by people close to him on Thursday as rather quiet, polite, and fun young man. Uh, he had little professional flight experience, having only logged 630 flight hours before co-piloting the Doom flight. Um, not a loner. We don't have the story yet, do we? Um, maybe just sad. Who knows? As we learn that, it'll be insightful. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Don't forget you can find me on Facebook, Cron4 Rob Black. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. If you like the show, tell your friends, follow it online. There's a stream and a podcast at kdow.biz. I'm Rob Black. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.